Welcome back to The Remote Life. My name is Han Talbot, also known as Han Meets World. Today, we'll be chatting with Jordan Carroll. Jordan, also known as The Remote Job Coach, creates content courses and coaching programs to help high performers get connected to remote job opportunities and find freedom and flexibility in life. In this episode, we talk about things to think about when applying for a remote job, including useful skills and Jordan's thoughts on the future of remote work. So grab a coffee, a tea or something stronger and let's get started. And we are live. So Jordan, welcome to The Remote Life. How are you? Remote life. Are we living that? We are living that. Let's go. I'm I'm amazing. I just had a bunch of cherries, as did you, so. They are so amazing. I love my uh, landlady at my guest house. So we're in Bansko at the moment. And the uh, guest house owner came up to me with a whole bowl full of cherries from her garden last night. Just the most random thing to get given. But so sweet. It's a thing here, I think, for <laughs> Bulgarian cherries. And then I come to the co-working space and I get a bowl full of cherries. So it seems like a trend. It's a fair trade. It's a fair trade. So let's dive straight in. Connect the dots for us. What inspired you to begin your remote life journey? I've been remote since 2013. I don't know if it was necessarily an inspiration at the time, but it snowed. <laughs> and uh, I had a work from home day because it snowed. And I was like, wow, I can uh, sleep instead of be commuting. Mm-hmm. Like I get sleep extra time. And that was my first inspiration to be remote was just, oh, like it's a small thing. But when you add up the amount of hours that you get to sleep per week, if you're not in an hour and a half commute, which is what I had at the time, yeah. it can be a pretty big deal. So then I negotiated my work to be remote just one day a week after the snow season. We were going back to the office, but I was like, hey, you know, I'd love to do one day a week on Fridays at least yeah. and uh, was able to negotiate that. And then from there, Remote work has been, just living a remote life has been the one thing that I think has given me the most autonomy over my day, the most control over my ability to change my environment and just create the the life that I want. So it's a lot of fun. Were you in California at the time? Or? No, I was in Boston. California doesn't really snow, so I was in Boston. I, I was in Boston. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. California before. So. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I was. I grew up in California, and then after college, I got a job and I was working in corporate. At IBM, and I moved to Boston for the training program. So for the training program, we were in the office most days of the week. We were traveling sometimes to trainings, but then once the snow season hit, like it was very unsafe to drive. I don't know if you've ever been a Californian trying to drive in the snow, but we don't do well. Yeah, we don't we don't do well with that. So yeah, and I feel like the commute there was such a big thing for people, especially after the pandemic. Like even I was doing on a remote contract pre-pandemic uh, mm-hmm. commute to London three times a week. Yeah. And just taking that out alone, like an hour on the trains, it's yeah, it literally brought like brought back so much of my. I felt alive again because for sure, you're not commuting, you're not like you know up early and crazy, and you actually get to start the day fresh with your own kind of routine. Yeah, and I was lucky that it. I mean, that was 2013 for me, so mm-hmm. I was able to kind of see it at a very early stage in my career where it framed the way that I thought about what work could be, mm-hmm. and. It's not that the company that I was with at the time, IBM, did remote work really well. I mean, remote work was very different back then. Like, sure. There's no there's no Zoom. There's no... We really didn't do video calls at all. It was all, like, teleconference, and you can just be asleep and just have the phone next to you. So <laughs> I, did, I definitely did that more than I'd like to admit. But over time, my view on the remote work and, and how to live very optimized, efficient, successful remote life has definitely changed. And mm. so has the industry itself. And so has... Mm a lot of companies and, and their policy and their ability to, to work remote in a, in a really good way. For sure. So speaking of like lifestyle and changes, like what 
kind of where are you at now? Obviously, we're in Bansko and you've yeah. been, you did an awesome talk on finding remote work and whatnot. So tell us a little bit about that and like yeah. what your ideal lifestyle is, I guess. Yeah, my ideal lifestyle is just choice. Like having the freedom to be in Bansko. Mm-hmm. Like that is, a, that is a huge thing that I think I'm recognizing not a lot of people have this out of the percentage of the population in the world. We're in a very small percentage of people that have the ability to, to live what they want. So for me, taking advantage of that is essential to also try to pay that forward, like find people that can benefit from this lifestyle, not living like me, but living remote on their own terms. For me, it looks like the ability to travel while I'm promoting my book. I have a book out on Kickstarter right now. And I decided that over the summer, I'm going to go to a bunch of different conferences, speak about, you know, finding a remote job, talk a little bit about my book and just spread that awareness. So that for me has been really great. And the talk yesterday, as you mentioned, yeah, was, was awesome. And I had so much fun doing it. It's, it's a little bit different every time I did. I did a few in Croatia. I did one in Mexico and I, I did one here, obviously in the past, like two or three months. So it's been a lot of different talks and I do a lot of virtual talks as well. So kind of bringing all this knowledge forward is, is one of the most fun things for me to do. We'll chat about your work in a second, but let's wind it back. Let's tell us a little bit more about your talks. I know that yeah. finding remote work is one of the things that stops a lot of people from yeah. pursuing this lifestyle. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, the big enabler, right? You have to have a remote job to be able to travel. Yeah, but it's, it's not as tough as it seems, I find. So... Tell us a little bit more about like kind of your strategy. Sure. It was so for me, it was very refreshing, like hearing your take on it. So yeah, yeah. Cliff Notes version is I think <laughs> a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that a job search just involves applying to jobs, mm-hmm. when in fact there's a lot of other components of a job search that make it successful for people. So I break it down into three categories of strategy, branding, and networking. And in the talk, basically what I went through was a lot of the mistakes that people make in these three categories, as well as the solutions. Mm -hmm. So instead of, for instance, going on job boards and just applying, think about what is the ideal lifestyle that you want and what are the companies that are going to support that ideal lifestyle and what are the sizes of those companies? What industry are they in? What exact role are you going to be able to do? Because without these targets and without being able to articulate yourself in a way that companies can understand you, Mm -hmm. you're just going to be floundering through these job boards, hoping that there's something there for you and applying to endless jobs and not getting responses. But depending on where people are in their journey, if they're not getting responses at at all, then that's kind of top of the funnel problem. They're not articulating their value. They're not choosing the right types of jobs. They're not targeted enough. Let's say they're getting the interviews and they're not getting beyond that. Then obviously they're not doing a good job in the interviews to progress that forward or they don't have enough relationships to to maintain the trust throughout that interview process. So there's a lot of different things. Obviously, we could sit here and talk about that for hours, but that's that's the high level. <laughs> well, no, because it's deciding also like what. So I feel like, especially again after the pandemic, it's been really heightened. A lot of people are now moving to remote work for things like not having to commute or like you know, being able to look after their families and stuff. So it's thinking about all that kind of stuff as well, which is so important. And I think you're so right that then from that you can then pick the role that works for you. So then, like you know, you can like go do the kids drop off or like you know people who are more flexible around that for example or the commute is a huge one I find Um, and and I would just say one thing on that is it's when you're thinking about the job search all those things are great but a job search is not about you it's not about you it's not about you getting those benefits it's about you being a value add to the organization and then what my recommendation is is pick an organization that's already remote first and Mm -hmm. already has a remote work policy that aligns to what your lifestyle is. And then you don't have to do all that explaining. Mm. They just get it. Mm. So then the interview becomes less about, I want remote work because I want to be able to take my kids. It's 
I can do this role and help your company achieve mm. X, Y, and Z. Mm. That's the that's the shift. Yeah, for right? sure. This is not sure. about the person looking. It's about how they can provide value to the actual company. That's cool. So do you think, feel like you have to have experience in remote roles before you apply for remote work? No, not necessarily, because at some point you're going to have your, your first job. And I actually, me personally, I transitioned from an office position mm. to remote. So I, at, at one point, I didn't have remote experience. Mm-hmm. At any point, someone doesn't have experience before they get it. So that shouldn't be the excuse. But I think having experience in the actual role mm-hmm. and having virtual work experience is really important mm-hmm. because virtual work encompasses remote work. Virtual work is essentially being able to work on a computer, right? Mm-hmm. And do your job from a computer. So what I might suggest you think about is if someone works for a multinational corporation mm-hmm. or a multi-international corporation like my company, IBM at the time, I realized like, oh, I'm working with people all over the world. Mm-hmm. I'm in an office, but I'm remote from them, right? Like we're not all centralized in one place. Mm-hmm. So once you realize that, you're like, oh, I've actually worked virtually with teams across mm-hmm. different countries, time zones, all this stuff. So then you can use that experience as the frame. Yeah. It's like, it's like sure. I've worked with people in different countries, across different time zones, mm-hmm virtually what you know whatever and that becomes like how you can frame how you'd be good at remote work because you do have some experience potentially yeah so it's kind of looking for maybe top three skills that you know can be you're already doing because there's yeah. again like we work with with tech day to day anyway yeah so there's always skills you can pull out for your cv and or linkedin or whatever it happens to be right so exactly yeah and, and there's a lot of transferable skills that are really soft skills that work mm. in remote work so communication mm-hmm. for instance like especially written communication mm-hmm. if you have good experience with written communication or you double down on getting better experience at that mm-hmm. can be a really really big deal when you're in a remote environment yeah, it's definitely a very different mindset shift in a way when it comes to applying for work, right? Like you kind of have mm-hmm. to think a little bit more outside the box, like you said, with soft skills. So what would you say is kind of one of the biggest difference between like office and re- remote roles? Yeah, I mean, just not having someone there around you that kind of feels like accountability, even if the person, even if your manager's not a micromanager and checking mm-hmm. on you all the time, which some people do have that there has to be a level of intrinsic self-motivation to get work done. Mm-hmm. Because if you're in an office, you might feel a little bit more pressure to like actually even just look like you're working, which is terrifying, right? Because yeah. that's even more backwards. Sure. I'm in an office, so I need to look like I'm productive. So I think without that pressure, you really need to understand your own intrinsic motivations and be able to set up your environment in your remote space, whether that's at home or that's you're traveling, your, your work, you know, your setup, whatever it is to be successful and to be productive. Whereas if you go into an office, you might just already have that external motivation based on the people around you to get the work done or to feel like you're you're looking productive. For sure. What's your ideal setup for your office? Oh yeah, if you see it, it's crazy. Like I only work from home. I don't really work at co-working spaces. I find them to be too distracting for me. Mm-hmm. And I also have too much equipment. I have a, a tri-screen monitor that I travel with. It's portable. Oh, shoot. Okay. And you just fold it up. Super easy. Cool. And then I have a, a neck stand that sits the, the laptop up so it's closer to my eye level. Mouse, keyboard, wow. mic, USB mic. I've got like a pretty big setup. So when I get to a new uh, apartment, like one of my main things with looking for an Airbnb or for a place that I'm going to stay is do they have kind of a dedicated workspace or do they have an area that I'm going to be able to put all this stuff in like an outlet and, and all those mm-hmm. things. So my ideal is getting all those things set up and then getting comfortable 
being near a bathroom, being near my my water source, mm. and then just having kind of the comfortability of maybe a good light that sure. uh, sits over me so that on my my calls I'm not uh, moved back to. If you understand that reference, it's, it's a movie. It's a movie reference. Uh, Zoolander. Yes. Okay. I was like, I, I, it rings a bell, and I'm it's probably going to have there will be people like funny. listening, going, "Man, how do you not know that?" Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, do you generally tend to travel more slowly or? Like stay in one place a bit longer. I much more enjoy the slowmad lifestyle. So one to three months in a country, if not more. The way that I'm breaking it up going forward, I think is going to be a few months in Mexico, a few months in Spain, and then a couple months in California, and then the rest is wherever I want to go. That's that's my thought process right now. That could cool. change. So so I, I don't. Uh, I'm very flexible. You know, sometimes you meet people, or sometimes. Mm-hmm. Plans change, and, and that's totally fine. Like I had an injury last year that kept me from traveling at all. Man, so okay. I was I had surgery, and it was just like oh, yeah, I was slightly mad right now. It was a uh, yeah, that was very slow mad. Yeah, was, uh, get get injured if you want to be a slow mad, get injured because it will keep you in one place for quite a while. <laughs> so do you speak Spanish or do you? Sí, hablo español. Okay, bien. Hablo español también. Sí. Okay, bueno, bueno. <laughs> What's one of your kind of top tips for learning languages on the road? Find a significant other that speaks it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, or, or date. Like, okay, like, yeah, if, you're, if you're single, date in the local areas and date people that don't know your language. That was the good immersion technique. That Get was that technique. was like how I learned Spanish the first time was dating a Colombian woman in 2019 who didn't speak any English. And we did our dates over Google Translate um, for three months. Good for you. That's, that's, yeah. I like that. That's an interesting approach. That's new. Yeah. That's cool. So speaking of obviously social lives and things like that, like how do you create community when you're slow matting? I join communities that have the same values. And then I find that those communities, especially if they're travel-oriented or nomad-oriented communities, have people already in these places. Mm. So I'm part of Dynamite Circle, which is a location-independent entrepreneurship community. Mm-hmm. I'm part of Nomad Base and Nomad Cruise, mm-hmm. which are kind of one and the same. I'm part of Remote Year as yes, well, which that. I worked for for a while. So like, even just within these three, I can go to pretty much any country in the world and there are people there that I can find in mm-hmm. the alumni chats or in the WhatsApp groups or in the Slack. Like, they all have different forums and like places in which I can drop in. But at this point too, with being this far in my nomadic journey, I've met quite a lot of people so the cities that i most want to go to are usually the cities that are going to for the people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i already have that in mind sure that does hey does someone live here that i really want to see mm-hmm. a few people live here i want to see and then when i get there what i'll usually do especially from these different lives like i'll bring together a dinner invite the remote year people I'll invite the dynamite circle people i'll invite nice. the nomad based people people that i've met in school like wh- whoever is is in that city that you know i think would would vibe and try to bring them together for intimate dinners. That's, I think cool. that's like one of the most fun things to do. For sure, yeah. This community is so open and so chilled as well. Like yeah. everyone's always happy to have a chat. Yeah. So what is your favorite opening line when you first meet people? Uh, I like to ask people what was the uh, best part of your week so far? What was the best uh, part of your week so far? <laughs> best part of my week so far. And this conference has been... Very interesting. I've been to a lot of nomadic conferences. This one in particular seems to have a lot of stuff going on, like even more than I think any of the other ones that I've been to and a lot of people. And I think the best part for me is simply seeing 
all of the different people from different walks of life that I've met previously in one place, in person. Mm -hmm. So here in particular in the Boxco Nomad Fest, there are people that I've known since 2018 or 2019 that I haven't seen since then. Sure. But there are dozens of them here mm. in one place. That's never the case, right? Like we, a lot of our communication is virtual now. Mm. And typically when I'm somewhere, there's no more than, you know, a few people that I've known from past lives like that. Especially if I'm going to like a random city in rural Bulgaria. Yeah. But here it's like with 500 people, um, I would I would venture to say that there are dozens of people that I've met previously that are here. That's cool. Like well before this conference. And so that's cool walking into a room and saying, oh, hey, hey, hey. Mm -hmm. The second would be just my talk. Like being able, <laughs> yeah, being able to like deliver the talk and being able to like stand in that. And then the third would probably be later today because I'm hosting an unconference about living an alcohol-free lifestyle cool. as a nomad. And that ends up being one of the most important things that I think I'm able to bring together for people because these kind of conferences or events, meetups end up making people feel like they need to drink. But that's something that I like to kind of dispel and at least provide a space where people who want to have that kind of discussion can. Yeah, I think what's been really awesome, especially about this conference, is that there is a lot more uh, emphasis on wellness and kind of taking care of yourself and mm -hmm. taking time for yourself, which I think has been such a big thing. Like, I think it's so important. Do you have a mission or anything as well, like for a personal mission or like a mm -hmm. business mission? Business-wise, I think helping to give more people in the world freedom and flexibility through remote work, mm -hmm. especially uh, refugee populations. So I give back 10% of my profits of my, my business to organizations that directly help refugees upskill to help them find remote work. Uh, I've also volunteered uh, many, many hours helping people learn English, helping people learn remote skills, cool. doing things like that. And I think that that's... Super important because remote work can be a vehicle to dignified employment for people that have been displaced, you know, by no choice of their own, but have been forced out of maybe uh, war or have been forced out of extreme poverty or whatever it is. And I find that the more successful I can be, the more I can help those types of populations. And even if you just change one life like that, I'm not I don't have like this grand mission of helping a million people, but if I can just help couple people like that's still pretty big and how do people get involved in that because i think again there's a lot more emphasis now on how people can give back in the travel industry mm -hmm. as well so how do people get involved in that yeah i would find a cause that you care about so for me for instance caring about the, the refugee populations and helping them upskill with remote work there are a lot of organizations that already exist that are doing this cool. so you don't need to reinvent the wheel jobs for for humanity is one of them namal is another one mit react Cool. Uh, is another one. Remote for Refugees is another one. Uh, there's a lot. Nomads Giving Back is also yes. a really good yeah. one. I'm an ambassador for them. And so being part of that, you can go online and go to their volunteer matching program. You can become an ambassador yourself and find ways to give back in the place that you call home away from home. Mm. I might said that we would talk about your book. Yeah. Tell us about your book. Yeah, the book is called Remote for Life. It is the guide on how to find more freedom and flexibility in life through remote work. It is a very practical, hands-on book. It's not fluffy in the sense that you're gonna read it and feel like you need more instruction. Like it's gonna Good. literally take you Good. through the whole process of all the different things that you need to know about trying to find remote work. And I'm trying to make it as evergreen as possible. It's difficult when you're talking about very specific tools and techniques, but uh, I'm also creating a, a pretty big resource library. So within the resource library, we'll have more of the specific stuff 
that exercises and things like that that will constantly be updated. So the book will be out later this year, November, December of 2022. Right now it's on Kickstarter, so it's doing pre-funding. I think there's about a week left on the Kickstarter. We're funded already, so okay. um, so it's awesome. It's it's a way to also, the Kickstarter is also a way to add additional bonuses and things like that to people who want to get in on it early. And I'm, I'm super excited. It's been a year and a half in the making, so... Yeah, it's it's really awesome. But there be e copies as well. Yeah, yeah, there'll be Kindle. Yeah. There'll be, be Kindle. It's going to be on Kindle. It's going to be a physical hardcover or or paperback. It's going to be cool. everywhere. I have a publisher I'm working with. It's been awesome, awesome to work with them as well. Now we'll make sure we add the links after this chat. Yeah. But just wrapping up a little bit now. So, do you have any thoughts on the future of remote work and where it's going? Yeah, I mean, we have another hour. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Two point oh. Yeah. I think from a broad perspective, I think remote work. In the future of it is less about work and less about life in general like how to create lifestyle mm-hmm. with work so i think i think one of the big things is we're going to see a lot more companies being able to hire from anywhere mm-hmm. that is a big push in the remote work industry right now is that there's companies that are enabling or other organizations to be able to hire outside of the countries in which they have a headquarters so those kind of companies are popping up left and right and they're becoming What's going to happen is it's just going to be a lot easier to hire remotely and hire people from all over the world. So that's one big one. And then I think beyond that, we're also going to see the digital nomad visa thing and the the borderless society kind of be more of a thing. Because the borders, I understand why borders are created. I understand why countries need to have their own legislations. But I think they're all going to need to start fighting to get this new class of people, Mm. the digital nomad or the person who's remote work slow, slow mad or... Mm. You know, people are taking longer vacations. Like, company or countries are going to start, and they already have incentivizing people to come live and work there, mm-hmm. giving them longer visa stays, paying them to come there, mm-hmm. whatever it is that they can do to enable their infrastructure in their country and their cities in their country in different ways to attract people to come live and work there and spend money. That's going to be a huge trend. Cool. So, one thing that people should go away and take action on in order to get started in get finding remote work, mm-hmm. what's the action? Well, I've got a lot of free resources on my site. So, <gasps> oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So I think that's probably the best place to start because I, I obviously do coaching and I have a course and I have a book and I have all these things. But I enjoy when people go and watch my YouTube or they go and download something that I've already created for them and they read through that and they actually try to implement it themselves and kind of figure out where they're at. And then, What's the name? Uh, theremotejobcoach.com. There you go. And there's a bunch of free resources on there. So you can really have the ability to start this search and kind of start figuring out what it is that you're looking for. Just get really targeted. Nice. That's my biggest thing is like get super targeted on the ideal lifestyle you want. Write down your ideal day. Write write down your ideal week, your ideal life. Get very clear on that and then start to try to find companies that fit that profile who can hire you to and you can live that life from day one. You don't want to be negotiating that. Sure, sure. And find a company that's going to enable that um, already. Great. One last question. Fill in the blank. Home is where? Home is where I am, I think. Because Great. at any given time, I try to just try to be present. Mm. It's like, I'm, I'm here in Bosco right now. Like, everything that I need in my ownership is with me. Yeah. My computer, my the clothes that I carry for months at a time, everything. My phone. <laughs> so, like, technically, home is like the apartment that I have up by the gondola right now. Like, that's where I come back to, right? Sure. I think it's kind of like home is where you come back to. So, like, right. in any given day, where am I going back? And that's where I am. 
Nice. Jordan, it's been epic to chat to you. And yeah, we'll make sure everyone can go to find out, find your links and get started in their own remote work journey. Awesome. Hope you enjoyed it. Bye. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Remote Life. And thank you, Jordan, for your awesome insights. You can find links to Jordan's portfolio and socials below. Thank you so much again for listening. And we can't wait to remote work with you again soon.